Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Nick Parada. Nick is the Chief Digital and Information Officer of Harman International, a wholly owned subsidiary of Samsung that primarily consists of four divisions, a connected car division, a car audio division, a professional services solutions organization, and a connected services division. Nick is responsible for enterprise-wide strategy and the execution around digital and IT endeavors. Prior to joining Harman, Nick was the Chief Information Officer of GE Power Conversion. In this interview, we discuss Harman International's focus on driving integrated, seamless, frictionless, excellent experiences to both the automotive and consumer markets, as well as IT's focus on four S's to make technology simpler, smarter, scalable, and secure. We also discuss how the company has responded to COVID-19, how it's preparing to return to work, and how the pandemic has resulted in a rapid acceleration towards a digital workforce. Lastly, we discuss how the company is looking to improve the experience in the car, how Nick's time at GE helped him become a better leader, his take on 5G and artificial intelligence, as well as autonomous vehicles, more generally speaking, and a variety of other topics. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Zoho Finance Plus is a unified finance platform. Here, we have bundled seven different apps to align finance processes of most enterprises, starting with invoicing, books, inventory, subscription, expense management, payroll, and checkout, to collect all your payments with out-of-the-box integration with Stripe, PayPal, Worldplay, and many others. Zoho Books provides end-to-end accounting, right from negotiating deals to raising orders to invoicing. It handles all the mundane tasks so you can focus on your business. Invoice your customers for one-time or subscription-based payment plans. Help your employees do their expense management with single touch from mobile device. With multi-currency, multi-bank, multi-country support. Learn more at zoho.com finance. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. Nick Parada, welcome to Technovation. Thank you, Peter. I uh, hope all is well with you, your family, friends, and colleagues during uh, these challenging times. And thanks so much for giving me the opportunity to uh, share the Harman Digital story. Yes, well, well thank you, Nick. Uh, my, my same wish to you and your loved ones. Uh, and thank you for taking time with me. It's always good to see you. Well, Nick, I thought we would begin with uh, your company, Harman International, uh, a, a name that would certainly be known to many, but perhaps uh, not to everyone. And I wonder if you could take a quick moment and, in your own words, kind of give a brief description of the business. Great. Um, Harman is a wholly owned subsidiary of Samsung. Uh, we've got 30,000 plus employees across the world that have a passion and a purpose to design and deliver connected experiences, whether that's in the home or on the go, in the car or at the workplace. Uh, you may be familiar with our rich legacy and, and our house of brands, uh, names like Harman Kardon and JBL, AKG, uh, Mark Levinson, and Lexicon. We uh, cater to the consumer audio business uh, industry around smart audio, such as portable speakers and headphones, along with home theater and luxury audio. We also have a professional solutions division 
that focuses on professional sound and microphones, lighting and control systems uh, for studi uh, studios and stadiums, concert halls and conference rooms. Um, and we also um, are very focused on the automotive industry where we provide an immersive connected experience through technologies like digital cockpit or advanced driver assistance systems, uh, telematics and over the air updates, uh, cloud-based app services, as well as in-car cyber protection. Uh, and we also uh, have uh, a premium audio offering uh, in the car as well. Uh, again, uh, things like Harman Kardon, uh, Bing & Olsen, and JBL. So we're really all about driving uh, integrated, seamless, frictionless, uh, you know, excellent experiences to, uh, to both the automotive and the, uh, the consumer markets. And Nick, you are the chief information and uh, digital officer, uh, chief digital and information officer, rather, at Harman International. Talk a bit about the two sides of the title and what's, uh, what is included in your purview, please. Yeah, I joined uh, Harman in 2017. And, you know, quite honestly, uh, as far back as when I started my IT career years ago, uh, the role seems to constantly be evolving and, and, you know, needing to adapt to the needs of employees, businesses, and customers over the course of uh, two decades, but three years uh, with Harman now, a little bit over three years, and it's been really fun to look back and also exciting to look forward on the role and how it continues to evolve. Uh, when I joined Harman, uh, the first week in the role was the, uh, the week that the acquisition closed with Samsung. Prior to the acquisition, Harman had done about 14 different acquisitions uh, in the span of about six years. And uh, the CEO, Dinesh Paliwal at the time, uh, and the executive committee was very clear in terms of the role. They wanted uh, IT and, and digital to be an enabler, a differentiator, and a disruptor to drive uh, 2x growth, profitable growth for the company. And, uh, and that's what I set off to, to do. Um, I got tremendous engagement and empowerment uh, and autonomy from the executive leadership team. Um, and there were some fundamental things that I focused on with respect to the role, and this could be said for any type of leadership role. The first is making sure I really understood uh, the business and building up a truly strong business mindset and acumen um, so that I understood what the employees and the stakeholders, and most importantly, customers really expect, expected from, from uh, our IT and digital services. We also uh, were tasked with building out uh, and disrupting and enabling new products and business models and revenue streams, whether that's in the B2B or B2C uh, markets. The second was building a diverse pipeline of talent with a deep bench and robust succession plan. Uh, so we created a lot of new curriculums and career paths, especially around advanced technologies that we hadn't built before around cloud and analytics and artificial intelligence. Um, that being said, we also had to build out a true digital mindset for all of the employees across Harman. Um, there's new tools and technologies that we continue to introduce that will help uh, in this rapidly accelerated digital workplace. Uh, Harman is known internally and externally as a great company that is at, you know, at one of the best uh, execution. Um, when I came in, I had a team of, uh, and continue to have a team that does great things and knows how to get things done, but making sure we knew the why and having a very clear value proposition and benefits realization aligned to outcomes of the business, as well as customer value, uh, was something that we tied all of our initiatives to. And then lastly is I get a chance now to tell that story on behalf of all of our employees and, and celebrate the wins. Um, you know, and I'm really proud to share um, the story. And uh, we set out to embody the vision and values of the company around integrity and teamwork, innovation, diversity and inclusion. And uh, we're set out to be, you know, what we want to be, which is the best reference point for all of those things. So I'm incredibly proud 
of the role as a leader within Harman. With respect to technology, and I'll share a little bit about IT and digital and the way we think about technology um, and crossing the chasm between IT and, and digital, which I think is a symbiotic relationship. Uh, early on, we just decided, hey, we're going to focus on four S's. Uh, we're going to make the technology simpler, smarter, scalable, and secure. Um, simpler uh, meant that we were going to provide an exceptional user and customer experience with the technology that we were going to deliver. Uh, things like even the basics were important early on to make sure that we had collaboration and productivity tools. Uh, we made sure that we had virtual desktops and chatbots that help personal assistants to solve some of the simple problems that users were experiencing. Um, and we also wanted to make sure that we were providing a commerce, robust commerce and customer service product online for customers to be able to transact with us. On the smarter side, we wanted to spend a lot more time moving toward uh, intelligence and analytics and automation, but we started with master data, quite frankly, 100,000 plus records cleaned up around customers and vendors and material. We didn't want to make bad decisions or use bias in the data with bad data. So we start, started there and then we started integrating, uh, aggregating and visualizing the data. And now today I'm, I'm really excited about where we're headed with the use of AI, machine learning and RPA, um, along with a true self-serve where uh, users, 1400 plus users are now engaged with using our, our technology around insights and analytics. Uh, scalable was also a big S for us and a game changer. Uh, we wanted to build a robust data center network and cloud infrastructure that not only we built infrastructure as a service on, but truly going from infrastructure to platform as a service to data as a service. Um, it took weeks to be able to provision on-prem hardware for our engineering teams. And so we built out a cloud hub and now it takes literally minutes to be able to build on Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure, or quite frankly, any cloud-based uh, architecture and product you want to build on. You centralize, provision, and meter those in, uh, in real time. We have 122 bots that maintain a level of cost and operations and audit and self-healing optimization. Uh, and now we have 36 cloud-certified professionals across the organization in just three years. Um, and then the last piece I'll share with you was uh, the, the final lesson, and quite honestly, the one that we feel is most important, which is secure. You know, protecting our intellectual property, our data privacy, and really making sure our reputation with our customers are first and foremost uh, important and that digital trust uh, can't be compromised. So we have uh, endpoints and uh, network access controls and cloud internet security protocols. And we also have artificial intelligence that monitor 36 million plus patterns of life in real time to identify anomalies and get us to uh, mitigate and manage risk much more quickly. So those are the things we think about in technology, but we also think about similar things when we're talking about products. And we have earned the right and the credibility and the trust with our product engineers to not only take care of things internally, but use that knowledge around uh, user experience and cloud and analytics and automation and cyber to cross what you call the chasm into digital. And so being able to now work with our engineers and reusing some of those components that we built internally have really served us well um, with now reusing things like our cloud and our cyber infrastructure um, and our user experience. Um, and I'll share a little bit with you later on about our experience per mile and experience per minute initiatives that we've got going on in our businesses. So, Nick, one of the one of the topics you covered earlier was uh, cybersecurity. It's one of the S's is is secure. 
and wanted to talk to you a bit about the ways in which you and your team organize yourselves to ensure that you have your arms around this topic, certainly a topic that's growing in importance, especially during these trying times when cyber attacks are very much on the rise and the complexity of, of the threat landscape is uh, at least uh, exacerbated by the fact that so many people are out of their offices and at home and, and on their own networks, et cetera. Talk a bit about some of the ways in which you are organizing yourself and your team to, uh, to ensure that, that, that secure, that, that fourth S that you described. Sure. So the first thing we've done is we've built a global command center where we've integrated both our network operations center and our security operations center. Bringing these two organizations together have allowed us to move a lot faster when it comes to not only prevention, but detection and response and mitigation. So bringing these organizations together uh, allow a much more fluid uh, communication and, and, uh, and a lot less latency in terms of detection and response. Uh, the second is uh, we've put together um, an enterprise risk dashboard. Um, I talked a little bit about the bots and the monitoring, uh, as well as AI. We use Darktrace from an anomaly detection perspective. But we have 77 key performance indicators looking at servers, network, database, storage, backup. We have alerts and notifications. The one unique thing that the AI brings, though, is um, it provides anomaly detection uh, in a very different way than the traditional security parameters. And so uh, that ability to add the additional capabilities and layers around AI and, and seeing these patterns of life and identifying anomalies quicker, reducing false positives um, has really helped us from a response perspective as well. We also have a data privacy committee. Um, so we, uh, from a GDPR and CCPA compliance perspective, uh, we make sure that all of our applications go through this privacy committee, both on the product side, as well as the internal application side. And then we have internal compliance and third-party audits on a regular basis. We have ISO certification processes, but we also have a very specific automotive-related uh, third-party assessment called the Trusted Information Security Assessment Exchange, where we make sure that uh, our automotive-grade cyber, along with our ISO certification, uh, is, uh, is standards are met. So those are some of the ways that we think about cyber. It's a constant uh, vigilance. Uh, we're always working to up our game. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I'm very proud of the work that we're doing, but uh, certainly we can never be satisfied. Well, thank you for that that, uh, that context. That's really, really uh, impressive, the number of areas you and your team are involved in. Uh, I'm curious, actually, as I, as uh, in terms of the people that bring this to life, your team, uh, Talk a bit about, as somebody who's been an IT executive across a number of, of big organizations and have seen the evolution of the importance of technology, the strategic nature of it, talk a bit about how skills are evolving, um, the kinds of people that, that you have on your team versus IT departments of old. Uh, can you talk a bit about that evolution, please? Sure. I think um, you know every role in every area is extremely important to us, whether it's in the new uh, advanced technologies around analytics or networking, cloud, cyber, um, those are certainly, you know, areas where we continue to build competencies and capabilities in, but uh, there's some outstanding foundational elements of, uh, of the roles in the pillar platform technologies that are also equally important, whether that's working in our Salesforce organization, building out marketing automation, sales cloud, commerce cloud, or services cloud, 
working in our integrated business planning suite to help uh, navigate through supply chain volatility and ensuring that the demand uh, planning, the forecasting, and the inventory optimizations at par. Uh, working really closely with engineering platforms um, to build software and binary code distribution, along with helping build product lifecycle management uh, in clear configuration management, engineering, bill of material. All of those components are as important uh, from an enterprise perspective as some of those advanced uh, analytics. Um, whether it's customer relationship management or product lifecycle management or ERPs, all of those are the foundational elements that some of those newer technologies can build off of. And so what we're finding is uh, not only are, are we making sure that we're building competencies in deep bench, but we're building out majors and minors where we have thought leaders and, and people that are majoring in those one areas and then helping mentor and manage and grow people that have a minor interest. Um, if you are in BI or uh, in reporting and you have an interest in building more competence and capabilities and analytics, uh, we're seeing that migration there and, and those capabilities. And the same thing uh, for many of the areas. Uh, we we want to build competency. We like to share talent across our software engineering organizations. Um, so having uh, that, that skill set is important. Curriculum, uh, whether it's our LEAP program, which is uh, the, the early entry program for leadership or uh, internships for our digital leadership program, um, all of those are also equally important. So using our, using our Harmon University um, to build digital competence uh, within the organization is something that we continue to strive for. And as we're having this conversation, we are in the throes of the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19, uh, the economic uh, consequences of that as well. Talk a bit, Nick, about the, uh, the role that your team has played in uh, ensuring the resilience of your operation and your, the company's interaction with your customers. Yeah, so first and foremost, the safety, health, and well-being of our employees was top priority. And so moving to a seamless, thoughtful, um, you know, work from anywhere perspective was important to us, but we wanted to do it in a safe and effective way. We went, you know, almost virtually overnight from 160,000 locate or 160 locations to 16,000 individual locations. Um, the investments we made early on, a couple of years ago, on uni unified communication and collaboration and cyber components, has really helped us um, in this environment. So the ability to keep the culture and the employees connected through WebEx and video and chat and collaboration has been incredibly important to us. And quite frankly, it's been uplifting to see uh, how many people have uh, connected in so many different ways through use of this technology. We went from an average of 11 million minutes uh, monthly on WebEx to now 30 million minutes plus uh, every month. Our video conferencing uh, also uh, went up 4X to about close to 2 million minutes a month. Uh, as well as our virtual private network and, you know, and concurrent users that were significantly scaled up. So those investments early on our network and our data centers and our service desks, the ability to onboard people virtually, for instance, was extremely important. In addition to that, we had to maintain a business continuity. Uh, when you have thousands of engineers moving to a work from home environment, having remote virtual desktop integration and virtual delivery agents to allow them to continue their builds and their uh, new product in innovation, uh, doing testing remotely um, so that we don't miss on deliveries to our, our, our customers was incredibly important. 
Uh, we also went uh, from you know live in-person events to virtual events, demonstrating products to customers uh, when you know we couldn't physically be together. Um, so all of those things have, have really served us well um, to ensure the safety of our, our employees, but also to maintain a, a commitment and a delivery to our customers. Um, we're also equally uh, vigilant in getting ready and preparing for return to work. So the focus on making sure that personal protection equipment, the sanitization, plexiglass around our help desk walk-up centers, uh, having contact, contactless uh, service if we need to manage uh, or fix a device, we're, we're putting in very um, strict protocols and procedures to maintain, again, a level of, of vigilance during this time. And do you, do you have a thought, Nick, about the changes that have happened and which of those are likely to be permanent changes or, or will, will create new norms uh, even once we reach some modicum of a new normal, whatever that might be? Yeah, I think certainly um, we've seen, you know, this rapid ac acceleration uh, towards a digital workforce. Um, I think if you are in a, a digital worker before you are now, um, I think it's you know, this work from anywhere um, capabilities have built some confidence uh, as well as convenience in the end users where they feel like um, they can be productive uh, and they're demonstrating that. So being able to provide more of a flexible work uh, life arrangement, uh, I think we're going to continue to see those uh, those things take hold. I think people are, are okay with less travel, although you can't replace virtual with, with being physical. I do miss seeing my teams and spending time with them around the world. Uh, but I think the, the lines between work and life uh, continue to be forever blurred. Um, this intermeshing of, of work and life, I think, will continue uh, to be for the long term. And um, I think also, uh, as I mentioned before, these virtual events, these hybrid events, I think those, uh, those will continue as well. So I do see some, some things that will remain uh, in place uh, for the long term as a result. You know, as, as you were describing at the outset, Harmon's business, it certainly is apparent that you probably have uh, some perspectives on the future of mobility uh, and the experience that we are likely to see in the next uh, period of time anyway, uh, from a driving perspective, among other places. Share a bit about your perspective about what the next decade looks like uh, in terms of that. It's a great question. You know, I've been fortunate enough to co-chair an experience per mile advisory board that's made up of 25 plus thought leaders um, from uh, from the automotive executives and analysts and industry insiders. Uh, we we co-sponsor this uh, advisory council with SBD Automotive. Um, we you know, and we just released a white paper looking out to 2030. I think there's some fundamental themes that will continue to, to uh, move forward in the automotive future uh, over the next 10 years. I think the, the four we, we think about is connected, autonomous, shared, and electric. Um, certainly with uh, the 5G and our autonomous capabilities, um, certainly share more mobility and, and electrification. We think that experience is going to really dictate where the customer uh, wants to to go so this hyper personalized driving experience whether you're a driver or a passenger and moving from an rpm focus to an epm focus is something that we feel pretty strongly about um, epm is all around uh, being able to have social connections or entertainment or well-being or 
in my instance, uh, a, you know, example of a workplace on wheels, uh, the ability to have hyper-personalization um, and tailoring the experience based on intelligence and autonomous uh, capabilities is something that we see uh, out into the future. Um, we, you know, a great example, uh, we co-innovated with uh, Salesforce on the most recent customer, uh, excuse me, consumer electronic show, uh, where we built a sales persona and vehicle that took advantage of uh, voice, uh, artificial intelligence, and our digital cockpit to demonstrate how a salesperson could get a briefing uh, about a customer uh, visit to be able to order uh, coffee online and get curbside pickup to do a debrief after the sales call, as well as use uh, navigation location services to do some lead prospecting along the route. Um, and these are just small scenario examples of where we think uh, we can go with the experience for a mile. And again, uh, depending on what you prefer, whether it's entertainment or social connections or well-being or accomplishments, uh, we think we can present it in a simpler, smarter, and safer way. And I think that's really where uh, the experience per mile is, is really headed. Very interesting. Yeah, what, what a fascinating perch you have uh, by virtue of the collaborations that you're stimulating and the research that you've been a part of. Thank you for sharing some, uh, some of those uh, conclusions. Uh, I wanted to also ask you, you're one of a, uh, a laundry list of, of alumni of GE who've, who've gone off. We were just talking before we went on of uh, our, our common friend, Clay Johnson, uh, uh, formerly of Walmart uh, as well, and now is uh, uh, part, part of Yum! Brands. Uh, but there's a, a, a litany of global CIOs, peers of yours who have come out of that that network. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about some of uh, you know w- what it is about that system, uh, as at least as it was in the 11 plus years that you were there, that lent itself well towards the grooming of future leaders like yourself. Sure. You know, I look fondly back at my experience with GE. Um, the most important reason I wanted to join GE is to become a better leader. And I felt like there was no better place at the time, um, given its reputation uh, about building and, and uh, mentoring leaders. I was surrounded by some fantastic leaders uh, who, uh, who helped me, uh, who are multifaceted, um, whether it's uh, operating rigor or business acumen or uh, strat- strategic uh, mindset. Um, there are some phenomenal leaders that have come from the IT alum uh, that I've had the good fortune to to work closely with. You mentioned Clay, but there's a long laundry list. Uh, Jim Fowler, Vince Campisi, Ashish Gupta, um, Deneen T. Fior, who was, who was an exceptional cyber leader. Uh, we all came up through uh, through different leadership um, programs and, uh, and worked very collaboratively together, sharing best practices and experiences. And so when you're uh, when you're fostering those kinds of experiences, um, you can't help but learn um, learn to be better. And uh, I, I'm extremely humble and proud to be part of that alum. Um, I really enjoy the opportunities to make a big impact at scale with some of the technologies that we introduced. I know when I was in particular in the the wind uh, business. Uh, we started a small services business that uh, wanted to just help technicians get the tools and the parts that they needed at the turbine to manage a limited amount of unplanned downtime. Uh, that quickly evolved where we were um, building a wireless mesh networks in the park, uh, doing borescopes up tower and 
being able to collaborate with engineers thousands of miles away. Uh, and that evolved into what became digital and, and predix in, in many respects. So um, that mindset of truly understanding business acumen, uh, problem solving, and using technology to drive uh, not only uh, solutions, but uh, potentially revenue streams is something that you know, I learned a great deal from. But uh, I think the most uh, that I treasure with uh, coming from GE is we still uh, keep in touch. We're still rooting for each other. Uh, as much as we were competitive internally and, and tend to be externally, we're all wanting to be uh, be sure that we help each other and, and we uh, we carry uh, a lot of pride with uh, with the GE moniker. So, but thanks for asking. Oh, excellent. Uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you, we've covered a number of trends already from artificial intelligence to machine learning, uh, robotic process automation, the future of mobility, uh, as, as you described it. Uh, are there other trends that you would point to as you look to the future that particularly excite you? Um, certainly 5G, uh, 5G uh, mixed with AI and smart cities. When you see where um, the convergence of each of these technologies can take things like the automotive industry, uh, when it's vehicle to vehicle or vehicle to pedestrian, um, the capabilities that those technologies drive and deliver um, by itself are pretty uh, pretty impressive and pretty um, pretty aspirational. But when you bring all of those technologies together, um, I'm extremely excited about uh, what capabilities that'll deliver to uh, to autonomous vehicles. Um, so I, I certainly think in those areas we're going to see tremendous amount of capabilities uh, push the envelope of, of technology and digital enablement. Uh, around IoT-driven uh, design. Um, you know, I'll leave you with this, Peter. Um, we're focused on an integrated, seamless, frictionless, personalized, and intelligent experience. When you bring 5G and AI and ML and smart cities into the mix, into what we already have in the vehicle, um, I can envision a day like today where maybe uh, you had a tough day, um, a long day, um, you get into the car and uh, you put the seatbelt on and the sensors are in the seatbelt and the steering wheel and maybe they see a heart rate or, you know, a little bit higher than normal. And it looks at your calendar and can tell by the heart rate and the calendar that maybe it was a stressful day. And so the car suggests that it'll drive you home and it's going to put some noise canceling in the cabin. It's going to dim the cabin lights. It's going to put on some soothing music and give you uh, some aromatherapy and you're going to gladly accept. Um, and on the way, to home, it's going to remind you, oh, don't forget today's your anniversary. And by the way, I'm going to order flowers and uh, food from your, your favorite restaurant to do curbside pickup. Great. And then about half a mile from the house, uh, the car deactivates your home security alarm. It sets the lights, the temperature. It transfers that soothing music that you had coming from those remarkable speakers. Uh, and it transfers it into your home speakers. And then it turns on the oven so you can put the food and warm it up uh, while your your spouse or and, and partner come home uh, to enjoy a great evening. You know that's what I think about when I think about digital and the art of the possible and what truly an integrated seamless experience is. And with these technologies, it's uh, it's very very possible. Nick Parada, thank you so much for taking time today, sharing a bit about your experience. Uh, you, the, the, the many things that are being brought to life at Harman International. It's been a great conversation. Peter, it's my great honor and privilege to get the opportunity to speak, especially with you. 
Um, I wish you continued uh, wellness uh, and health. Be well, and I'll look forward to speaking to you in the future. I wish you all, all the best as well. Thank you, Nick. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Thursday when my guest will be Kimberly Johnson, the Chief Operating Officer of Fannie Mae.